This is Offspin. I have a dream. It's a uh, the idea is just like you have SEBI registered investment advisors. You you make SEBI registered mutual fund advisors. Yeah. That you make all SEBI advisor mutual fund ad- distributors mutual fund advisors registered with SEBI, and you get a fee from the investment, not the investment value. That is, if I invest thousand rupees, mm. you get a fee of one percent from that thousand rupees. Not from right. the market value. You deduct and that one percent. And not from the profit. Exactly. You deduct that one percent and re- invest the remaining in the mutual fund. Mm. Remove the distinction between regular plan and direct plan. Then the, and remove all ties between the AMCs and the intermediaries. Absolutely. Wow. Then the conflict will go away. But nobody will do it. This is that offspin original you've all been waiting for. It's time for Let's Get Rich with Patu. Hello and welcome to Let's Get Rich with Patu. Yet another week where. Then we take that back a little bit. On this particular week, we're not sure what we're going to be talking about. And Patu and I have decided, why not have one of those episodes? You know, the data on YouTube is showing that our episode, Patu, which we did, which was a Q&A, the first Q&A we did with listeners' questions, did really genuinely well. And it's, it's a no-brainer, of course. You know, we're answering your particular questions and you have an incentive to listen, etc., etc. But we like those kind of episodes also once in a while because they just... Both Patu and I don't know which direction this conversation goes in, right? There's not any preparation you can do for such an episode. So this is one such episode where we have some fun, a wide variety of topics and questions. And and Patu has been very nice to, you know, go on this journey with us. Patu, my first question for you, of course, how are you doing? Um, And how much do you invest on a monthly basis on your fitness, on your physical fitness and on your personal relationships? And I'll give you a bit of background of why I'm asking this question. This thought has been stuck in my mind for weeks ever since you brought it up. And it makes so much sense. What is the point of planning for retirement if it's not a healthy one and it's not a happy one? And so how do you quantify? Because it's as important to invest in these two things as it is to invest in mutual funds and fixed deposits, etc., etc. So do you quantify such an investment? Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, so uh, it's hard to quantify these things, yes. I don't keep track uh, of how, how much I invest. Uh, uh, invest as in not time, but money. Is That's what you have. Yes, invest, yes. Right? Time though, you have yeah. to invest time right? yeah. in both so, these things. But yeah. it'll be very interesting if you try to quantify it, Patu. Because, you know, if you're forced to invest, say, a particular percentage of your monthly salary or your earnings, then at least it makes you start to think about this very important part of life. So there's this doctor uh, on social media, I forget his name now. Uh, he's majorly into fitness. In fact, uh, you would think that is a no-brainer, but it is not. Most doctors are not fit. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I have so much to talk about on that front, but please keep going. <laughs> they, they help uh, save our lives, but they themselves are not fit. But yeah. this guy is very uh, health conscious. And he says, it is very expensive to eat healthy in India. Or maybe anywhere in the world. 
Absolutely, one hundred percent. So, uh, to uh, man, as I've talked about, and you also uh, like the idea of a low carb diet, and so if you want to eat a low carb diet, one you have to, and uh, assuming you're a vegetarian, one you have to spend a lot of money on veggies, much more than a normal household, and vegetables can be expensive. I mean, uh, it's seasonal and so on. That's one thing, and also I I eat a lot of nuts because protein Absolutely. sources very expensive. Are, yeah, and all kinds of nuts are expensive. The 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 uh, peanut is of course not a nut technically, but it's the least expensive uh, of all. So it is expensive, and the question I would put uh, I will I will ask myself this your question in a slightly different way. Would I be doing this ten years ago when I had very little net worth? The answer is no. Hmm, that's a very interesting. way to put it i guess when you have very little then fitness goes to the bottom of the ladder absolutely you right? just make do with what you can and there are very many ways you can make do with what you have right so there was this incident during the pandemic part 2 where the pandemic began we were stuck at home and a month passed two months passed three months passed and how much sit ups and push ups will i do in my bedroom i i grew f- and if i don't work out on a particular day it really starts to bother me right uh, and i've noticed if i work out every single day my mental health is in a good space uh and i went and made a decision of buying this weight set my family thought i was bonkers it was a large amount of money but it changed everything the next 2 years i didn't know the pandemic was going to be 2 years right i i just took a risk i took a bet and i bought that olympic weightlifting set then i had to buy mats because you can't bang that stuff the entire building complained and and that held me in good stead for 2 years i came out of the pandemic much fitter than i had going into the pandemic and of course now the rest of the building uses it etc etc i feel it's one of the best decisions but of course this is a quirky one off story the point is on a regular basis on a monthly basis i find supplements expensive i find whether they're protein or multivitamins etc etc but you're right we we do this because we can um and if we can i think there's no real scientific or mathematical way to quantify it yet right there are some people who go berserk right um, so here in our team also wants to discuss about frugality and one of her parts in frugality was uh, I read an article and she sent some feedback about how people spend a lot of money on gym memberships and then use it twice. And so in those cases that's a really silly investment. But but, but anyway, these are left field topics that I wanted to bring up but to uh is there any kind of way you can quantify investing in relationships? <laughs> <laughs> I think you should not. <laughs> that's probably the best way to uh it it's hard i mean i i don't know i think you have to see the way i'll i'll put it this way let's say uh you hate gold there yes. are many men and women who hate gold hmm. as, uh, as an investment for as a for consumption whatever in whatever form they hate it but the other partner will disagree hmm. so what do you do then you compromise hmm I mean, uh, you uh, maybe you you don't ac- agree to hundred percent of their expenses, but at least to fifty, sixty percent of their expenses, because peace in the home is more important. Sure. Uh, and uh, you can't put a price on that. And I there's one point I missed talking about. We had talked about retirement a lot. Yes. And I I I regretted say uh, not forgetting this on that episode. Now is a good time to say it. 
Now, we keep talking about how much money to invest, what is the corpus, inflation, sequence of returns, rebalancing, etc, etc, etc. But the most important investment for retirement is relationships. And of course, this is for people with a family, people who are alone, well, they're in, they're in trouble. Uh, as they grow old. Uh, I mean, as long as you're, you have your faculties and physique, okay, you're fine. That's true for everybody. But at some point, they're going to fail you in some ways, occasionally, regularly, permanently, whatever, in some form. At that time, you definitely need the help of your spouse. You need the help of your children, the, their uh, uh, spouses, etc., etc. So, it's a, so everything that we do today uh, you know, what we saw today, we will reap later. If we kind of are very oppressive on our children, don't do this, don't do that, and that kind of thing, uh, the first thing they're going to do when they get the chance is run away from us. Mm. Of course, it's natural that children leave the house, it's fine, but they may, they may not want to come back at the time of our need. Yeah. So, all our money, we can be a multi-crorebati, but this, if, this, if we don't have the faculties to use the money to, you know, dispense with it with the way we want and there's nobody to help us we are in big trouble so relationships are non-negotiable and i think we should of course we can always talk around and we can always discuss things and say look i think what you're doing is wrong but i'm not saying no but let's kind of find a middle ground and so on yeah but uh, i think we can't uh, you know put a percentage to it so a very uh, viral I don't know if it's very viral, but I remember seeing it and it making an impact on me. There's this person who interviews this billionaire in the US and he asks him after all these years of, you know, being wealthy, what are your life lessons you want to share with the world? And the one thing he says is, what is real success? What is the point of doing all this if at Christmas time, my kids don't want to come home and meet me, right? Uh, and for me, that was very telling. He said, it's all pointless if you do not have those relationships. That is true success. And one quick anecdote from my personal life also, right? So each time there's a, a chance of holiday, as there will be soon, right? December and, and New Year's. There's like a sparkle in my wife's eyes. Because her way of spending every holiday is going to a new place. And of course, we all enjoy it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, hands down, who would not, right? Enjoy traveling and going to a new place. That's her biggest kick in life. But this time we had a bit of a fight. And I'll tell you why. Because of one of the episodes we re recorded and you're talking about relationships being so important. I insisted this time we go to a place we've been to often because of very close people we are close to and we haven't met them in over a year and a half or two years. Right. And for us, it was a bit of a back and forth, lots of debate. And, you know, why? What's the problem? And I told her, when we're old and gone, what are you going to say? Oh, we lost touch. You have to work towards these relations. You have to go and spend time. So that's my uh, little bit of anecdote. And before I let you go, Patu, uh, the thing you said about if one person likes gold and the other, from a pure let's get rich with Patu mentality, have you ever done any back tests on gold ETFs? Because there are lots of questions we get in comments. Why doesn't Patu talk about gold? Is it, an, is it a commodity that has proven over a long period of time, of course, not short term? So, uh, there are several aspects of gold. And I think I mentioned some of this in the episode we did with, uh, forget her name, the DSP. Yes, Aditi Kothari. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the first thing I, I don't like about gold is it is an asset that thrives on fear. Whenever mm. things are gloomy and everybody is pessimistic. That's when it goes up. That's when it goes up. Whereas equities thrives on hope. 
when everybody is gung ho about yes we're going the economy is going to boom and the short term long term whatever then it kind of moves but up. that makes it a good hedge right but to is it the the point is i have shown earlier that i don't have the data now to show you but i have shown earlier that it's really not a great hedge because mm-hmm. the point is that the gold prices are extremely volatile it's co- controlled by supply and demand and it is controlled by the f- uh, currency uh, gold usd and gold inr have been very different what you see in the past so uh, if you look at gold usd um if i'm not wrong from the 80s to the 2000s and uh, right until the 2008 crash the gold usd was falling down hmm whereas gold inr is moving up there was a complete uh, you know uh, divergence how is that the, possible that is because the gold the the commodity was going down but indian economy was opening up and the inr became you know globally priced right and though so what was internally priced now became globally priced suddenly the us dollar went i remember my dad saying the us dollar jumped from 12 rupees 15 rupees to something like 35 36 rupees in the early 90s right and then it started moving up because we were mm. bankrupt right the, throughout the 90s we were bankrupt and only after the stock market picked up in the early 2000s etc and so on the, the it slowed down so and there's a huge divergence and the returns that we see the 25 year 30 year 40 year returns of gold everything is kind of based on that hmm. and since the last decade uh from the 2010s onwards gold usd and gold inr have more or less been in step that divergence has more or less died down almost died down and that's because the rupee has gotten stronger people look at past data and say oh the rupee is always going to depreciate no the rate of depreciation is significantly decreased yeah so the uh, our economy has gotten very strong and uh, i'm very unhappy about uh, invest personally i don't want to invest in anything that thrives on fear and despair and i don't think it is going to make a big difference to my portfolio because people will say oh have 10% of it have 15% of it most people don't know what that implies because today you will have 10% when it's small caps or oh, 10% is okay mm-hmm. gold 10% is okay rights 10% is okay. how many 10% will you have in the 100% clutter and no way to quantify this diversification and it's not going to remain at 10% yeah tomorrow if gold doubles or small cap market you know uh, uh, zooms up that 10 will become 20 what will you do then mm-hmm. most investors don't have an answer it's like a, a untended garden they'll just let it, let it grow and you can't tell the plant from the grass and uh, if you if you do that right so it i mean and it's extremely volatile people talk about sovereign gold bonds etc the answer to what is the return i will get from gold after 8 years after 10 years is i don't know the same as equity i don't know that's why i said before financial literacy is saying i don't know so when you it's too volatile i don't want to take a risk uh, i will have my um, risk everything concentrated in equity and have safe fixed income that's good enough for me i hope that answers your question all you listeners who've been asking about gold a lot of been asking about cryptocurrency also part two but perhaps at a later date um a number of questions by the way are asking you for your pro- uh, prediction for the next 5 or 10 years for india uh, now that you mention about how the rate of uh, depreciation of the indian rupee is slowed down do you see it now you know 
it's around 80 to 83 to a dollar you think that'll go to 70 at a no, no, it won't go to 70 it won't go to 70 it will stay consistent. it will not zoom up hmm. or ultimately at least it will not zoom up continuously it can zoom up uh, sporadically now the the point is that the mis- the uh, big mistake that investors do is if i say that i'm extremely confident about india the growth of the indian economy over the next 10 years 5 years that does not mean your investments will grow hmm. those two are not linked there's no one to one correspondence returns can fluctuate the economy will gradually grow because see you can't quantify an economy gdp is not gdp is a very approximate estimate you can't quantify a gdp properly right and, and if you say gdp is growing at 6% there will be 100 people who will say no no it's wrong hmm. or maybe some people will say it's more i mean it's very subjective so they are those two are not linked and however as a country as a citizen i am extremely proud of what india has accomplished Amazing, over the yeah. past uh, few decades i've seen the change i'm very uh, lucky to be alive during a time when the economy has changed the mindset has changed uh, uh, when i was a kid people used to complain about population oh in india everything every problem in two steps you can trace it to population population is the biggest problem no population is our biggest wealth it is the reason why our economy is thriving i'm extremely confident and optimistic about india but that does not mean your investments will reflect that uh, should reflect that optimism you should be conservative there and the other problem is global warming and climate change are going to play a very very important role in the next few years to come mm. and um, capitalism is gradually destroying the earth uh, you know whatever square feet by square feet or whatever you want to call it and that is going to determine how our future is going to be somehow i'm happy to have escaped half my life more than half my life i think i've lived in a reasonably good planet i'm very worried about the future of uh, the world in which my son will live if you see any changes on marina beach please let us know but <laughs> as soon as you do climactically or whichever way it's amazing like we can just keep chatting about stuff it's almost 16 to 17 minutes into the episode we have not even begun the user question so let's dive straight in part 2 the first category is on the ria episodes we have had right and very interesting perspective i know you've responded to it in text on youtube part 2 but i thought hmm interesting line of thinking right it's from navodit jain but to don't you think that having a fee only advisor will also not work in the interest of the client as it doesn't matter to him how your portfolio performs he will keep earning his fee wouldn't a combination of flat fee plus a poten- percentage of profit say 10% or you know it that can be discussed will make much more sense as the ria's interest will now be more aligned with the client's also most of the time the flat fee itself is very high but i mean that's a separate discussion that, that's not the part of the question i want to deal with the i mean it just playing devil's advocate patu and i'm sure vikram will also understand this line of questioning yes we get that comfort on the first meeting or the you know the first year we we have a a model in place a plan in place but how do i get that comfort about the future so a fee only advisor is not a fund manager yes a fund manager is expected to take care of a basket of securities in which we have invested 24/7 right and therefore 
uh, he demands, he, she demands uh, a percentage of AUM fee. Whether it is a passive fund or a active fund, it is always a percentage of AUM fee. Whether that is justified or not is a different matter. That's always going to be subjective. You can, you can always argue a fund manager can also get a flat fee, but they also have to grow. I mean, uh, the AUM has to increase and so on. But a fee-only advisor is not a fund manager. The fee-only advisor recommends products to clients. These products are themselves governed by other fund managers. Mm. Right? And uh, so, once a year is, is more than enough for a financial review. So, I make an initial plan. I pay a fee, a fee of, let's say, 25,000 bucks. I have a lot of clutter in my life. The 25,000 bucks is basically used to declutter everything, strategize, organize everything, put it on a path. And so, you say, that's the path you're going to go. That's fine. And you're going to go. The portfolio is going to grow. The portfolio governed by other people, not by the advisor. Yes. After one year, you come to me and say, am I doing okay? So, I do mm -hmm. a review. I have already done the decluttering. So, most of the job is done. Why should I get paid for that? So, I, get, I only uh, get paid for half of that initial fee for finding out if everything is okay, things have changed, if any new development is there in your life, etc., etc., new kid whatever and so on and so I do that every year and that is that's the arrangement now the why should the it makes no sense for me to if a fee only advisor says I will I also want a percentage of uh, fee on your assets already some fund manager is getting a percentage of fee hmm. I am only recommending those fund managers to you and for that recommendation I need a percentage of fee it's 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 a double uh, fee and it makes no sense to me and uh, it is a strong misconception that just because I am getting a percentage of your assets as a fee I care more about you hmm. oh no that's not true at all and and look at the data most of these uh, products which typically these percentage AUM guys recommend whether it is a PMS or whether it is an alternative investment fund or whether it is a rate or active mutual fund, whatever, or whatever, any stock basket, curated stock basket. What is the data that we have? The actual data that we have is either the product is new that we don't know and most of the products in India are like that or the data that we have is 50% of products in a particular category fail to beat the benchmark. I'm going to recommend these kind of products to you. I don't know about the future any more than any of my clients. Why should I get paid, be paid mm. more for that? It's just an illusion sure. that, uh, that we have to get rid of. I have a counter question, Patu. Say you take a mutual fund manager, right? Um, how does one, or a mutual fund distributor is what they're called. How does one take out the conflict of interest from their model? Is you there can't. any way? You can't. I, I have, a, I mean, I have a dream. It's a... Uh, the idea is just like you have SEBI registered investment advisors, you you make SEBI registered mutual fund advisors. Yeah, that you make all SEBI advisor mutual fund ad distributors mutual fund advisors registered with SEBI, and you get a fee from the investment, not the investment value. That is, if I invest thousand rupees, hmm. you get a fee of one percent from that thousand rupees. Not from right. the market value. You deduct and that one percent. And not from the profit. Exactly. You deduct that one percent and invest the remaining in the mutual fund. Hmm. Remove the distinction between regular plan and direct plan. Hmm. 
then the, and remove all ties between the AMCs and the intermediaries. Absolutely. Wow. Then the conflict will go away. But nobody will do it. Yeah. Because the, the SEBI has got people who are themselves part of the industry. It's and always been a weird one for me to understand. Sorry to interrupt. That SEBI allows you to charge a percentage of AUM, but not of profits for these yeah, financial know, advisors. Yes. Uh, the PMS guys can do it. The portfolio okay. stock portfolio managers can get a they have a hurdle rate kind of thing. Right. And the biggest problem in India is the structure. See, a regulator regulates financial products. That means that gives you an impression that they are working for the benefit of the investor, right? Or the participant in those products. Yeah. That is true. But what is also true and not explicitly know or, or discussed is they are also promoters of certain products. Yes. SEBI has done a lot to promote mutual funds. Hmm. They have given incentives to distributors in uh, non-metro cities to sell mutual funds. You can't be a promoter and a regulator. There is a conflict of interest in the regulator to begin with. Look at the NPS. It's called the PF, the NPS regulator is pension fund, regulator and promotion agency. So it's every, mm -hmm. IRDA does that. So all our regulators, they're promoting products, which the government thinks is important. And they're also trying to protect the investor. I'm not saying they're not doing a good job. But you, there's a conflict of interest there. And that has to go. That will never go. Cool. I hope that answers it for you, Navodit Jain, and a lot of listeners who constantly have questions about this. You just heard Let's Get Rich with Pattu, an Offspin original. Isn't it the coolest show you've heard in the Indian podcasting space? And even if it isn't, what's the point of getting rich alone, right? Share this show with those you care about and perhaps even with those you don't care about. But make sure you share this show with only those who you don't mind being richer than you. The music on this show was created by Pattu's biggest fan, Rajesh Ravi, and everyone on the Offspin team had some part or the other to play on the show. Let me name them quickly. Arshdi Nisrani, Krishant Das, Sandeep Banerjee, Arif Chagla, Anand Krishnan, Rajesh Ravi, and Heer Khan. Heer, by the way, is also to be blamed for giving Pattu his gangster look which is how he looks on a daily basis. Um, and me, Sidhan, your host. Let's Get Rich is available on all audio platforms wherever you consume your podcasts. So spread the word and we'll see you next week. You know we do this show only to help you guys, right? But if you're listening and you're that one person who has perhaps lost money and are holding it against Pattu or me, for making you lose that money, then not only are you a mean person, but you also need to listen to this legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any financial advice. Views expressed are not official positions of financial institutions or Pattu or mine for that matter. Although we strongly believe in them, listen to this disclaimer even more carefully. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before making decisions. We disclaim liability for inaccuracies or losses from using this information in our show. By listening, you agree that the host, guests and producers are not only awesome people, but they are not responsible for your financial decisions or outcomes. This is Offspin. Offspin.